Adam Mares returns as the Nuggets finish up their East Coast road trip. We'll talk about the game versus the Wizards. We'll get Adam's thoughts on the two-game set in New York. Plus, we're going to talk about things like lineups that we've never seen that we're probably going to see. And who do you trust more, Jamal Murray or MPJ? All that and more on Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for making this part of your day and your first listen. We're available on all platforms, including YouTube, where you can join the show and join folks like Hurricane hanging out with us. Jonathan <laughs> was first in here. Carlos Samuel Brotzman is in here. Daniel Sad Sad, because that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great name. Fernando Para, awesome folks hanging out with us in the chat. You can also catch us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. We appreciate you guys making us your first listen. Today's show is brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing a basketball franchise, this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit Ultimate Basketball GM. Dot com or look it up on the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, in the game. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Um, I am getting worse as far as sickness goes. It is now like in starting my lungs. So if I'm coughing in this episode, I'll try and hit the mute button, but just as a heads up. Also joining me, back from a little mini vacation, Adam Mares from DNVR. You can check out his work at DMVR and make sure to catch the pre and post game shows before and after every Nuggets game, as well as daily Nuggets podcast. And you can go to the DMVR bar, go there for Sweet 16, go there for Elite Eight, go there for Nuggets games, Avs games. Avs are flipping the switch at them. They're hot, hot, looking a lot better. Excited for that. We got a lot to get to on today's show. Uh, We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to get Adam's thoughts on the two Knicks games. Uh, I keep saying Knicks games, Knicks and Nets games, the two New York games. Uh, we're going to talk briefly about the Wizards game. And then second segment, we're going to answer this question. Who do you trust more, MPJ or Jamal in the playoffs? And who do you trust more in the playoffs, Aaron Gordon or Contavious Caldwell-Pope? Final segment, we're going to talk about untested lineups that we've never seen before and how we're probably going to see those in the playoffs and what that means. So lots to get to on today's show. Let's start here, Adam. So you missed the two games in New York. I gave my thoughts on it as I thought the Nuggets looked like themselves. You and I kind of texted after the next game. And we're like, this one feels like a normal loss. And then I was kind of expecting them on the back-to-back weekend in New York for them to have a letdown. And instead, yeah. came out and handled business versus the Brooklyn Nets. What were your takeaways from the two games in New York? I think they were a return to normalcy. I mean, I, they could have gotten that Knicks game. I think it's just they missed some shots down the stretch. It wasn't a great game. I thought it was a good game. But to me, it did not feel like the previous five where it just felt like Denver was discombobulated. This one felt more like a regular road game where Denver came up just a little bit short. And then they followed it up with a great performance against Brooklyn and especially great, in my opinion, from the big three, Jokic, Murray and Michael Porter. Um, So those were the things that stood out to me. And then I know this is going to sound crazy. I think Denver's defense over the last few games has started to look like there are signs of uh, of it coming together. I might look like a fool, but I'm hopeful that over these final 10 games, we're going to see some like really good defensive quarters from Denver, not just good defensive um, moments, but hey, they might actually put some things together. Isn't the clutch time stuff for them proof of this 
that their defensive ceiling is higher than most people that follow the league realize and their defensive floor is much lower than you would feel comfortable with for a championship contender? Well, I mean, I've said this all year, but that they don't defend easy. Like they can't just get, I mean, they can't, they can't defend easy. They have to defend with effort. So just like they can, they score easy. Not every team scores easy. Denver scores easy. Bad process can still lead to a pretty good offensive output, but they can't defend easy. So, so yes, but I think specifically, you know, Denver does defend a little bit differently this year. Um, and Ben Thompson of Thinking Basketball had a very good um, video that was a little bit about Denver, but it was really about the evolution of sh- playing at the level of the screen and some of the different ways teams try to get a weekend defender off ball. And, you know, there was, a, I think that Denver has implemented some new things over the course of the season that to me I look at and I go, I think they're close to being able to execute this high level sort of complex rotations more seamlessly than ever before. I made this point in, in one of the shows uh, over the weekend, over the week, over this this week, um, that I feel like this team has a really high capacity to improve by the middle and end of a series. Right. Like, <clears throat> I don't think they'll get worse as a series goes on. I think they have ways to counter and that their rotations will sharpen. Like right. last year's team in particular, everyone's kind of noted like, hey, the team was this last year in defensive rating and this year they're X. But one of the differences, I think, is that like there was a limit that the defense could get to last year with Will and with Monte and with various guys that were in the rotation, right? Like there was only so good they could be. This year with the personnel that they have, they will get better. They will get sharper. They will make adjustments. Even if you don't trust Malone, some of that's just players being like, hey, 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 read that quicker. Like you're, you know, making it like, hey, get a jump on it or hey, don't step over because he's looking for, you know, when all those conversations that you see on the floor when you're watching on television and you're like, you see them working out things and talking to each other, that's stuff that I think that this team will improve on as the series goes on. And that gets back to kind of what the veterans have kind of said all year is like communication. When they communicate, they are able to be a lot better when they don't care as much. They don't communicate as much. And then their floor kind of shows and that's where they're really vulnerable. Yeah. And I think the guy for me, I know we're going to talk about him in the next segment more specifically in terms of trust, but the guy to me that's most exciting over the stretch is Michael Porter Jr. Offensively, I think it's evident he's more athletic than he's been at all year. I put out a video that was showing how rarely he was dunking and what his finishes at the rim in the first month of the season looked like versus now. He's had three incredible dunks in the last two weeks. I mean, some of the best of his career. And I look at him and his confidence putting the ball on the floor. There was a couple times in this last game against uh, Brooklyn where he comes off of a pin down, not a dribble handoff, but a pin down, takes a dribble to get to the basket, puts his shoulder into a guy, and then elevates for a jumper. That's a complex move that requires strength, requires handle, and it requires finishing. And those are just things we haven't seen him put together in sequence earlier in the year. And he's doing it more and more confidently now. And by the way, Unlike in previous years where Porter has had some of this before the injuries where he's been athletic, I feel like Jokic is trusting him more and more, like looking for him in those circumstances more and more. He's reading the court better, and this is probably why Jokic is looking for him more is he trusts him to not completely just screw up you know, a read and go off to where nobody knows what he's doing. But instead, he's kind of finding the seams within the flow of the offense more. But to me, the biggest thing is his defense. There were times in that game when Spencer Dinwiddie would screen to get him matched up, pull the ball out and attack, and end up just passing the ball away because he couldn't get by Porter. And Porter played defense where it was very, 
not like I think Porter is not trying to be impressive on defense. He's just trying to not get blown by. And I think that's the right way to play when you're six foot ten. So I'm improved. I'm impressed with all of those things from Porter recently. And it's part of why I think that Denver might be getting over this hump and, and ready for this this gauntlet they're about to enter. Let's talk real quickly about the Wizards game on Wednesday, just to kind of preview that. Uh, Wizards have gone the other direction. So they had a real chance of actually being able to compete for, honestly, the division. They could have been like the seven seed. And then they went the other direction because that's what the Wizards need to do. They are three and seven in their last 10. They've lost two in a row. Uh, they are t- only two back of the Bulls in the loss column. So they're still hanging in there in the terrible a- East play in picture. Are they two um, or three? I'm showing three. I may not have updated this. Maybe I have like a million tabs open uh, with, the, with the standings. Uh, yeah, they're sorry. They're just updated. There's now three back in the standings. By the way, as we're recording this on uh, Tuesday night, Kings down 20 to the Celtics. So Nuggets magic number over the Kings will be six pending tiebreaker in the last game of the season. Um, so facing the Wizards team, last game of a road trip. <clears throat> another, this is another test of like, how serious are you? Right. Yeah. Right, because if they if it would be great to see the Nuggets show a little bit of ruthlessness in this game, and be like, everyone piled on us for two weeks, and we get in a weak opponent, and we let a bunch of games slip, and we lost to teams that play high effort basketball, and now we're facing you, and we're gonna take it out on you. Good opportunity there, but they are gonna. Ha- I will say, like the Wizards are like, I, I actually think that. I don't know if he's going to make it, but I think Wes Unsell Jr. has actually done a pretty good job this year, given some of the stuff that he's had to face mm. with this team um, in terms of their commitment to various things. Uh, Kyle Kuzma's out for this game, but everybody else is a go. So just what are your thoughts on this Wizards matchup and what level the Nuggets need to get to in order to handle this one? Um, I, I The statement part of that, I'm, not, I'm just not sure if Denver's into making statements. I almost, I almost wonder if they like the, hey, we played bad enough for two weeks that everyone's kind of written us off. Yeah. I know it's silly to say we're playing pop psychologist for a group of people, but I, I just think Denver's in a good spot right now where they're going to be the likely the one seed that nobody believes in, which is like perfect. You get to you kind of split the difference there. But um, so I don't know. But I do think they had two days off for this game. I think that that allowed you you would hope that allows the team to get a little bit extra rest. They get two more days off after this game. So I would hope that this is a game where they shoot well, they defend well, and they play with some intensity because why not? It's the only game you have on the work week. Why not? <laughs> An approach the Denver Nuggets have literally never taken. Um, we'll see what they, what they do, and we'll have recap for you. On I Thursday. actually have high hopes for this game, Matt. I will say that, like – it's funny what one weekend will do because, you know, app coming out right before the Detroit game, you're kind of like, my God, is this team spiraling? Is it all over? Um, I go into this one. We'll still find out. And I don't think we'll really know until the Milwaukee and Philadelphia game. It'll be a huge test for Denver. But I just kind of expect them to play really good basketball tomorrow. This is a stupid thing. This is a very stupid thing. I'm going to admit a stupid thing to you. Uh, I, I very much want to see them finish with a positive road record. So I don't think that's stupid. Um, why, why would that be stupid? Because what's the difference in like if they finish, you know, 41, 41 home games? They get game. five more. So, <laughs> yeah. So, like, what's the, what's the difference between finishing like one game over 500 versus finishing right. one game under 500? Yeah, it's, you're, it's like, a good point. What, what's the difference? But the reality is like to me, it's like kind of significant because no team has won the, the conference in the last 20 years with a negative road record. Nobody's done it. 
Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, an, uh, that is an important indicator, but I'll tell you another one. Their last road game of the year is at Utah. I think it's also important for them to be in position to throw that one should they want to, because that game really might be the the game that decides whether or not the Lakers make it into the playoffs. And to be able to say, you know, I don't think you want to get into a point where that Sacramento game determines the one seed. I think that would be a bummer. So you want to be able to be good enough that you can go into the final two games of the year and say, you know what, Utah, you can have this one. Lakers, you're out of the play-in. Uh, and, and then Sacramento, we don't care. This game doesn't matter if we win or lose. Just give you that little bit of extra padding to me would, would make a lot of sense. Plus, some of us took over 53 and a half on the win total on an alt line. So if you could help some of us five, out, it would be five and five. Wait, was it 53 and a half? Yeah, 53 and a half. Six and four. Yeah, I got, I mean, <clears throat> the good news is I have way more on 49 and a half, which was okay. an incredibly stupid number that I recognized early. All right. Uh, up next, we're going to talk about this question. Who do you trust more in the playoffs? MPJ <laughs> or Jamal? And who do you That's trust great. more? Aaron Gordon? Or KCP. And this should be a, a really fun segment. We'll do that in a minute. First, I need to tell you about Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. I'm really geeked out by our new partner and sponsor of today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise, your dream can come true. And this game is definitely for you. You get to manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players, making the right draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft, and all the ups and downs of a season. And all this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. Locked on Nuggets listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on L O C K E D O N in the game store. So make sure to check that out to download the game. Just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code or look it up in the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate basketball GM start your dynasty today. We'll be right back on locked on Nuggets. back here on lockdown nuggets thanks for joining us making us part of your day appreciate you guys being with us on a wednesday as we welcome back <clears throat> sorry adam morris to the show make sure to check out all the stuff over at dmvr uh all right adam so you and i were kind of talking before the, the the show and i think it's like an interesting question of you mentioned all the strides the MPJ has made defensively. Um, I had kind of noted on one of the shows that there were some things on the off-ball stuff that I've kind of been like, oh, hey, like he didn't, he wasn't doing that, and then he kind of started doing that again. I agree with your general, your more general point of how much he's grown and how good he is. Um, Jamal, on the other hand, has been really inconsistent. Um, he has great performances and terrible performances and great quarters and completely vanishes, and it seems all over the place. So... We've seen Jamal in the playoffs have a great, an all-time series, but it was in under very specific circumstances and before the injury. Um, we've seen MPJ step up in the Clipper series and have an impact there, but we haven't seen this version of Michael Porter Jr. So I'll ask you, who do you trust more in the playoffs, Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr.? The answer to this one has to be Jamal Murray. Before all the reasons you laid out, last time we saw Murray in a playoffs, he was phenomenal. Last time we saw Michael Porter in a playoffs, he was struggling. Even in the bubble, if you think back, actually, I should say two years ago when he last played in the playoffs, going up against Mikael Bridges and the Phoenix Suns, and I know he was injured, it, it's a little unfair to say 
to just use that one. But nonetheless, it's all we have to go off of. He was very good, I thought, in the Portland series. Not so good in the Phoenix one. I Actually, pretty bad in the Phoenix one. So one guy that's done it. But I will say, if you didn't give me history, if you just gave me this season, I think my answers would be reversed. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I like this, this comment from George Knight, who says, Murray always does better in the playoffs because his shot selection is better suited for the postseason. I, I kind of can agree on that, <clears throat> that I think the Nuggets will still create very high percentage looks, especially in the first round. But as the, this, the playoffs get deeper, there are times when you do need tough shot makers. And right. I think both MPJ and Jamal are tough shot makers. Man. And both of them. And if you and like that's one of the advantages of having both of them, right? Is like if you're able to if you can ever get to a point where both of them are hitting at the same time, right. then you're really gonna be able to to put teams away, even really good ones. Um, you know, I think I think Jamal's defense in particular, <clears throat> veterans will manage effort in a regular season context a lot more. And I do kind of believe that Jamal has probably had to take some of that to heart, especially during his recovery. And so if you put Jamal, part of this is that these two guys are both incredibly competitive as all great NBA players are, as pretty much all NBA players are, like 95% of them. I think that they're, they're hyper-competitive in different ways. Um, Jamal in particular has a real viciousness and competitive I hate to lose streak about him. I think MPJ has a real, I want to be great streak in him. And that differential can be helpful in both contexts in the playoffs. <clears throat> um, I think what'll be interesting is I think there's this idea that you can attack MPJ as a target in pick and rolls. And we've seen this season an evolution where he's worked really hard to no longer be that weak point. Right. Last couple of games, we've seen switches result in Jamal being faced with mismatches. Right. I made the comment in previous episodes. I was like, look, that may happen early on in a series, but they'll probably work to avoid those. You even saw it in game where Julius cooked him on one in the next game. And then Aaron denied the switch on the next one. And right. and you also saw Jalen target him too, Jalen Brunson. So it was noteworthy to me in that game where I was like, huh, it looks like they are looking for Murray in these. Um, so I think that, MBJ can can do that. What I do think is the way the Nuggets have not completely gotten away from their habits of help and their habits of committing early, especially on some tag side stuff. Teams are going to put a lot of pressure on MPJ and I, in those situations. Like there, I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of attacking Jamal in pick and rolls. And a lot of attacking MPJ off ball. I think they may start the could opposite. Be. Yeah, it could be. And then they'll kind of flip it. And so. I mean, that, that is the thing is that the Nuggets defense does require thought. It requires like, and, and not just thought, but like instinct. Like you have to go through these so many times that it becomes instinctual for you. And I do think that there is just a greater capacity for some bad mess ups. Like when Denver's defense falls apart, it's going to look really bad. But I think if they can pull it off and I'm with you. The one thing I will say is teams are going to test Porter in the playoffs. I just don't – he could he could be first team all defense this year. They're going to test him in the playoffs. Yeah. And that's why I think he's ready, but I don't say that with any confidence because it's just a different beast. Yeah, and the other thing I'll say here is um, Jamal, I have a lot of confidence in that whenever – like he more than – just about anybody I think is emblematic of the best thing about that Nuggets team that made the conference finals run was their mental tenacity. 
yeah. was like they were so i mean they came back from 3-1 twice and it, they were so mentally tough and they respond and this we've seen this from jamal that when things get tough he responds and you need that and i'm not saying that the mpj can't be that you want everybody to be that right like aaron got better in last year's playoffs like yep. in that yep. warrior series he got better by the end of it you want everyone to respond um but what i will say is I, I there's probably I, I to to me you're gonna need both of them to have series like right. you're gonna need a series where it's like that was Jamal like Jamal really stepped up do you remember that series and how good Jamal was there I think the deeper it goes you're gonna need all of them honestly yeah. like you might in the first round you need Murray to have a great series second round maybe depending on who it is although right now it's shaping up to be Phoenix or the Clippers and yep. at that point it becomes go time at that point so Denver might have go time as early as the second round. But you're going to need both. The one thing I'll say is Michael Porter Jr. has been very clutch this year. And not just as a knockdown shot, guys, but I think he's played his best in the clutch as well. And I'm really curious. There's just It's just different when it gets to the playoffs. The pressure is different. And I'm hopeful that he – Murray has had his moment in the playoffs. Jokic has had his moment. Michael Porter has hit shots in the playoffs. But I hope that there is a series where it's like, yep, there he is, changing the game in the fourth. I want Aaron Gordon to have that moment. That's that's. Yeah. Right. As I want him to have that moment. Uh, let's hit this one real quick. Speaking of Aaron Gordon, KCP's been there. KCP's won a championship. Man. Aaron's had two playoff runs and really only one, you know, and not he hasn't really had like a serious run yet. Between those two, we saw that Aaron, like we mentioned, kind of got, Raymond got in his head and then he kind of responded and fought back and was great later in that series, even though they lost. KCP has been there. KCP is has been a part of a championship team. Who do you trust more in the playoffs, Aaron Gordon or KCP? This one's easy to me, and I hope I'm wrong, but it's KCP. And the reason is, if I have a biggest fear at the moment, we've talked about Murray's health, and I do think Murray needs to get quicker. I want to see him get by people. I want to see him dunk the ball. I want to see him get to the rim. He's been a very good jump shot maker in his good moments, in his good quarters over the since he's come back, since the All-Star break. I don't think he's been a good getting to the rim guy since then. And that makes me a little bit concerned. But to me, I think I'm more worried about Aaron Gordon, um, that he just looks a little bit banged up and he needs to be a hundred percent for him to have the impact that he had, you know, for most of the season. So for me, KCP will make or miss his shots, but I know his defense will be locked in. I know he'll be in the right spots and I'm guessing he's going to make his shots. Aaron Gordon teams are not going to guard him. I think he's going to take center stage a lot in key moments because of how teams to choose to defend Denver. And I just hope he's ready for it. You want to see Aaron, you know, getting the ball underneath working and finishing through two guys for the dunk like that, that physicality, if the nuggets can bully some teams and then out finesse others, again, they're going to have to be a different team in every series that they play. Yeah. Um, this team can't, this team has shown throughout the season. They can win different. They're going to have to do that in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, their best like their fastball is not good enough to just overwhelm everybody. That's no. not how they're built. Like the Lakers just played physical. That's how they played. You're going to need to be a lot of different things. I think for this Nuggets team to win, there's going to be series where you're going to need Aaron Gordon to be super physical. And you're going to need series where Aaron Gordon is super smart and is racking up assists and doing all those multiple level combinations along the way. Okay. Let's up next. We're going to talk about, Every year, I'm always like, you want to focus on testing these things and, and figuring out who you are, and then the playoffs come, and 
you know, as the saying always goes, no, no battle plan survives the battlefield. Uh, same kind of deal with lineups. And we're going to talk about how oftentimes and most likely we will see lineups that have never played before and what that means here for the Nuggets in the playoffs. We'll do that when we return on Locked On Nuggets. First thing to tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament's heating up now. It's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. I'm currently sweating this Thunder Clippers game. The Clippers were laying seven and a half points to the Thunder, and it was flat out stupidly disrespectful to OKC. So I'm really hoping that they're able to come home for me here uh, with my bet on FanDuel. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making us your first, first listen. I appreciate you guys being a part of the community and making us a part of your day. I am going to get through this episode with my voice. I'm just going to make it through. That's I am I am positively visualizing the end of this episode with me being able to talk all the way through it. Adam, so I, I had, we were talking about, there's all the comments about the bench and the lineups and Zeke's back in um, and Christian's in now and he wasn't in then and maybe he'll play Blacko and maybe it'll be Jeff and maybe like all the, right. Reggie played, all these different things. And it, I, I had this vision of a tweet, which it's not not healthy for my brain that I visualize tweets. Nonetheless, I saw this tweet from the future. It's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. I, I saw this tweet from the future <laughs> pop up in my head, and it's a tweet from you, sir, with your with your logo on Twitter on my tweet deck, and it's you saying this lineup has played zero minutes in the regular season for the Denver Nuggets. I, I think it's because I've tweeted that out every year for the last four or five years. Yeah. That's probably why. Yeah. So. The reality is, I think that from a, from a coaching perspective, you're trying to get through the regular season with a combination of pacing yourself, balancing guys' statistical priorities, uh, player development, getting the lineups that you need to work, balancing that with what you need in a game, trying to counteract what you're seeing on the floor, all of these types of things. And the reality is, is that despite all this, you will probably wind up not playing a unit that you stumble upon in the playoffs. And you're like, whether it's because of injury or because of a matchup that you're just like, we hit, we, we're, we're going to go to this because I need this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. And we're going to wind up seeing it. And yeah. I guess here's the question. But here's your hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up. I just want to say something on that. There's a difference between we've never seen this lineup because usually it's so-and-so in that spot, but there's a foul situation and they had to put this guy in that spot. But it's functionally the same lineup with a, you know, one guy in a different spot versus, oh, wow, we've never seen Michael Porter Jr. at center before. What a major adjustment to make at a key moment in a playoff series. And that's what we've seen, I think, over the last like couple of years. I, I agree that I think we're going to get a different lineup, a, a unique lineup in here. I, I'm so hopeful that over the next 10 games, we see every type of lineup. We see, even if it's not the exact one they'll use, at least it gives us a hint of, okay, this is functionally how this is supposed to go. I want to ask you this. 
with 10 games left, is there real value in getting, like, can you play enough for it to mean anything? Such a great question. You know, like, so the Nuggets have 10 games left. If you play a lineup for uh, three minutes in one game and five minutes in another and uh, four minutes in another one, does that really get you get the players comfortable to understand what that lineup is and how it should function? Yeah. Um, and I kind of think that this is one of the key things that kind of gets back to how the team is constructed. I think it probably matters uh, more in the non Jokic minutes because Jokic makes everything make sense. Like everyone on this team seems to understand there's this, okay. Jokic helps them for it to make sense obviously the most like Jokic is the one that makes it make sense, but there are, there aren't a lot of players on this team. that are just like, yeah, he just doesn't know how to play with Nicola. Like there's no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know there's a player in the universe. That there like, are, there are, but Reggie Jackson. Yeah. Reggie, Reggie Jackson. I think Reggie Jokic minutes in a playoffs would be such a, I mean, they're a waste in the regular season, but it would be such a big waste in a playoffs that I, I would fear that being something that they trotted out. Um, Fernando asks, have Zeke and Gordon been in a lineup before? I'd be curious to see AG at five and Zeke at the four with Christian Brown. These are the type of things that I think we're going to see. So let's, let's ask this question. What do you think is going to be the lineup that hasn't played together before that we're going to see? I mean, that might be it. That might be Aaron. I mean, we, they've hinted at Aaron Gordon at center. It's worked in like a few instances that they've tried it, but they don't, they clearly don't want to go to it very much, especially with Aaron Gordon banged up. But to me, it makes sense that it would be him. So some combination with him at center and then I think again, functionally, we've seen this. I don't. Do you remember who it was he's played with when he was at center? Whether it was Jeff or whether it was Vlatko, I don't remember. I guess uh, it doesn't really matter. I think it was Vlatko. Either way, if you rolled him out there with Zeke, maybe he's never played with Zeke. Do we even know what that looks like? I mean, that could be a little bit confusing, but um, so that would be one of them. But to me, a bigger one, and it's something I hope we get in. Uh, we get to look at. Actually, there's two things I hope we get to look at. Michael Porter Jr staggering michael porter jr at power forward and then front court pairings that feature zeke naji and flacco chanchar and that's the one where when you ask like how much can you really get out of if you're only playing this like two or three games or four or let's get crazy you play it all 10 games how much could you really read from it that last one is the one that i think would be the hardest to know but michael porter jr at four to me is just something that denver should explore because it's so valuable having a elite corner three-point shooter where your power forward has to be occupied at all times how about this one uh jamal murray contavious caldwell pope so far so good aaron mpj so the four starters with zeke in at for for Jokic. Uh, to me it's a waste of four starters has played 20 minutes okay they are plus 12 in raw in raw plus minus. Um, I mentioned this. I talked about this yesterday with the idea of if, if you were to stagger Joker, which yeah. again, I don't think the Joker ever wants to do that. But if yeah. like you were it like that to me is like an option to do. And honestly, it would be I, the more I thought about it, the more I like the idea of like stagger both Jamal and Nicola and finish out the like the rest of the first quarter with like Bruce Brown and Zeke and just like play defense for like five minutes. Could work. It could work. <laughs> And get through that that little stretch there. Um, here's another question, though. Uh, do you believe that there's value in 
constructing lineups purely from a this is the matchup that we haven't needed until this moment and this is the one that we need now based off of like what the matchups are is that do you think that's real the only thing about that is does it change your defensive scheme and what i mean by that is a lot of these ones you're throwing out sound like they are switch everything lineups switch everything is just different do you need practice at that can you just say hey we have the personnel to switch everything even though we haven't played very much of it go out and now you're gonna have to start stop kevin durant like it, that's tough you want to be well versed in that so that to me is the is the real difficulty of it um here's a fun one that i think we, we could probably see in the playoffs but it's like this is again like a, a weird one uh bruce brown christian brown vlatko aaron and zeke <laughs> 17 minutes this season. They're a minus seven in, in, in raw plus minus. Um, does, does that lineup have any spacing? No. That's because to me, it like sounds cool. Lots of length, you know, unselfish, wanna, but they don't have a ball handler and they don't have shooting. That's like wanna, two real big ingredients. I, I want to go back to this because it's such a, a key point. Can the Nuggets space the floor with anyone but MPJ? The KCP. Jamal Murray, of course. Sure. Does Jamal space though? Because Jamal's yeah, on ball so much. He does. Okay. Um, but, but Denver, one of the things about Denver is they don't have a secondary ball handler right now, so it's it makes it hard. Uh, I want to get to this point real quick. Carlos says, and the playoffs, Malone is never proactive when it comes to lineups and matchups. He usually waits for the status quo to fail twice to substantially change anything. He's not, Carlos, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. My question is, what coach does? Um. I feel like newer coaches do. I don't. Coaches almost never because, like, I, I actually I, I was it covering the wrong message to your team if you change. Yeah, I was covering or... Pop and D'Antoni, and I asked them both that question in, in a Spurs um, Rocket series, and I asked them about that, and Pop actually <laughs> gave me a good answer. Um, and then the next day, he popped the ever loving hell out of me and embarrassed me so badly that like it, my I crumbled to dust <clears throat> in the media room. But he gave me a really good answer, and what he said was you have to give the players the opportunity to win with what our identity has been. Like you have to trust in what we do. Once you've hit a point where, okay, okay, this is fundamentally not working. We're going to need to adjust it. You do, but you, and Dan Tony said, there's almost like a level of chicken that goes on where you don't want to be the first one to have to make that adjustment. You want to win with your style. And from there you go on very few, if any coaches pre-adjust, to what's going on and even fewer make adjustments after game one. Some do like Taylor Jenkins is a good example of a guy that did is he saw seven minutes of Steven Adams in game one last year versus the wolves and was like, sorry, Steven, this ain't it. Not going to happen. I had two thoughts. One, I feel like there's, and I, I'm maybe people in the chat can help me. I feel like there's high profile examples of this that become like lore, you know, coach came to me before game one and he said, you're coming off the bench tonight. I thought, what? You know, I, I feel like there are these games, but more importantly, I think it's much more likely to be a thing that happens for the Utah Jazz or the Oklahoma City Thunder or a team that has nothing to lose more than a one seed. Like, yeah. what message do you send the Utah Jazz if all of a sudden game one we're doing something crazy? It's like, they don't, I mean, come on. Yeah. But if you're the Nuggets and you change up on game one, there is, I think, a message that is like, hey, and we're different. You've talked about the panic thing. Right. You know, like you do that too quickly. You don't trust them because the players believe that if they play to their capacity, that they can win that all we got to do is like so much of the time. I think this is true for both coaches and players. I think players and coaches are always like, no, no, no. Like we don't need to tactically adjust. We just need to play better. And I don't always agree with that. I'm often like, no, no, no. 
you are at a disadvantage because of the way that you play basketball versus the way they play basketball. Like you are at a, like there is something they do that you cannot beat that is beat like that is just beating you. I mean, this is the whole problem with like the jazz and the switches. It was like, well, no, if we just play better, it doesn't matter how well you play. They're going to like Rudy Gobert got to be really good at switches. He really did. He got way better at the level. Dallas did not win that series last year because they were attacking Rudy Gobert in switches. They won because they spaced Rudy to the corner and attacked everybody else. Like, this is the kind of stuff where it's like, no, no, no. This is just more about, like, if you're not able to do the things that you need to be able to do, you have to be able to, to find an answer to those things. Because once the team finds that weak point, they're going to stab you with it over and over and over again. Yep. This is why I'm a little bit – I mean, I'm so curious to see what Denver's defense does over these final 10 games because – I really do think there is something with how they've been attacking defensively lately to, hey, this is a good solve. This is going to make it a lot harder for T. I mean, a smart team is always going to figure out the defenses. I think Denver is a smart team that has the potential to solve every defense a team throws at them, no matter how complex and nuanced and well-executed it is. But Denver... I just think that there is a chance that they can take away some of the basic stuff that has caused them problems in the past if they can get some momentum executing that scheme down the stretch. All right. That's going to wrap it up for Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Hope you guys have yourselves a great Wednesday. We're back on Thursday morning with a recap of the Wizards game. We'll talk about whatever's going on in the NBA and the Western Conference as the standings continue to evolve. I've got playoff picture coming out on Action Network and the Action Network app. You can check out all the great stuff over at DNVR for all your nuggets. And Avalanche Rockies are starting soon, I assume, after Japan beat us in baseball, which is the thing. How great was that, by the way? <laughs> pretty cool. That was a pretty Can cool I tell you, Also, like, I really wish the NBA leaned into the World Cup yeah. and Eurobasket and these things because you watch that and it's like, I don't know anything about baseball. I don't know anything about these guys. I'm hooked to my TV. This is, I'm actually more into baseball now because of that than I am from any baseball season. And I just wish the NBA would lean into those things a little bit more because they are cool too. Counter argument. The players seem to hate all of it. So, well, that you're right. The NBA should lean into it, and players should actually care about you know the sport of which they are professionals. Uh, all right, thanks for joining us, everybody. Have yourselves a great day. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked On Nuggets. Like